Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops Podcast NBA Conference Finals have begun, and never a dull moment. BJ Armstrong, LA, Eric Newman in New York. We have a exciting guest today talking Denver Nuggets and looking ahead to their matchup with the Lakers, along with what they've done up until this point. Before then, though, BJ, uh, we've started the Eastern Conference Final, and obviously a dramatic Game 1. Not a closing that uh, I was happy with, but nevertheless, I think we learned a lot about both the Heat and the Celtics in Game 1. Initial reaction from you on um, how things went. Well, it's Game 1. and It's only Game 1, right? I can say it's only Game no, 1. No, it is only Game 1. I really felt um, that the Celtics play well enough to win that game. And I think game two is a must game for the Celtics because if you get down 0-2, you give the other team a substantial amount of confidence and confidence from this perspective. They didn't play well. The Miami Heat did not play well. And when you win and you don't play well, now you gain confidence, right? If you play well, you win, you go, well, I can't shoot the ball that well every night, but I shot it well, very timely. They didn't play well as a team. They did not shoot well. They grinded the game out, and then they still came up with the win. And I thought the Celtics played well enough to win the game. So if there is a, a must game just from a, 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 a mental standpoint, I think this is a must game for the Celtics. Because if they go down 0-2 now, I think, Miami will have confidence. I think they will smell that they can close this team out quickly, and I think they'll go for it. So, um, you know, I'm looking for the Celtics to come out, play well, reestablish that that wasn't a fluke and that, you know, it's going to be kind of a a brawl, if you will, because, uh, you know, I I felt that the Celtics should have won game one. I agree. The loss felt uh, a whole lot more than a uh, close game one loss. And I felt they gave the game away, to be perfectly honest. I I thought they built a lead and they did enough defensively to keep Miami uh, out of rhythm. And the lack of ball and player movement the last four minutes of that game and you know, Kemba Walker has yet to find his consistent groove in the playoffs, but I don't think he's going to find it by playing ISO ball against a defensive and versatile team like the Heat who could switch just about any combination 
And Tatum fell into the same thing. And I just felt there were so many wasted possessions where they were almost satisfied with just eating the shot clock with the lead and trying to get to the finish line. And then Jimmy Butler makes two just unbelievable plays. And Marcus Smart luckily draws that off-ball foul. And they get the free throw to tie the game. It was like the Celtics were given a gift to go to overtime and and have a chance to win. And then obviously... Uh, the BAM block was just one of the great defensive plays we've seen in recent history. So um, usually I, I, I think we'd agree it's hard to call a game two of a series a must win, but this sure does feel like it. Um, from the Celtic standpoint, BJ, what would you be looking for differently uh, offensively from this crew based off just what I said and what you saw? Well, I'm not really concerned about their offense. And, you know, we get so much focus on their offensive. Jason Tatum can score. Jalen Brown can score. Kimberl Walker can score. The problem is is the difficulty of scoring as you advance in the playoffs five versus five. got to be able to score what I call advantage basketball. You know, if you get a stop, I can play now five against four, four against three, three against two, so forth and so on. So defensively, let's corral this team. If I'm the Celtics, I want to corral this team and establish that we can, you know, we can stop you. We can get consecutive stops. Because the last four minutes of the game, the turning point of the game was the Miami Heat came down and executed. And then the Boston Celtics did not do the same. That, that's The game came down, it was a very simple game. Now, if the Celtics can just get stops – consecutive stops Kimber Walker and Jalen Brown and all the rest of those guys will be able to play advantage basketball that because they play the game the right way so I'm not concerned about what they're doing now can they get a stop in the most critical moments which is the four minutes of the ball game that's where the game is going to be won we know that the Miami Heat can do the following they can play when the game gets tough when the game slows down, they can switch. They have size, and they can do all the things. They have not only do they can play on the perimeter, Bam can play and rim protect, which is which makes them very unique. There aren't there are probably only a handful of players. I don't even know, and that's probably being kind that could have made that play that Bam makes against a Jason Tatum. If you're going to lose, that's how you're supposed to lose. The guy went to the basket. He went strong. He goes there, and this guy just makes an amazing defensive play. How many centers can do that or bigs can do that in, in that moment? I mean, Giannis, AD, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know if we have five in the league that can make that play against Tatum. It was, it was unbelievable. It comes down to the defensive end. If you can get a stop, you can play. Now you're just playing advantage basketball. You know, I will, if I will say this, I would love to see them incorporate Jalen Brown a little more because Jalen Brown is one of those players that can, you know, a lot, try to get him to be more aggressive. You know, I felt he was standing in the corners a little bit too much. So if there's any player that I'm looking forward to get going offensively today is to get him more involved because he will play a big part if they're going to win the series. Yeah. And and to my point about standing around, it was Jalen standing in the corner, when Marcus didn't have the ball, he's standing. Obviously, he's played great with and without the ball in his hands. And 
to your point, when the Celtics are getting stops and playing advantage basketball, that's when they're the, at their best. Um, so we're recording this on Thursday. Game two is Thursday night. So, um, you know, I'm going to have a text message from BJ either way after this game tonight. So, um, you know, after that game ended, I started it on delay. I had a, a busy start to the week with uh, all the smoke back in, in play here in New York and some interviews for the uh, the KG film. So I'm starting that game like after eight on delay. So by the time I get to Denver, uh, L.A. game seven, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fighting to stay awake. I woke up on the couch after the game ended and went back the next morning and watched the onslaught. We're going to get into it a bunch with our guest today coming up, but uh, to get us there, BJ, what is your reaction as you're watching the Denver Nuggets come back from 3-1 down for the second straight series and just absolutely tear apart the Los Angeles Clippers, who many favored to go to the NBA Finals and win it? Well, the narrative was already written by the media. You know, the narrative was the Battle of L.A., so it was already a foregone conclusion that that was how it was going to be. Well, someone forgot to tell the Denver Nuggets that that was the, that was the plan. They were the only one that wasn't invited to that, to that party. And, you know, when you're playing in the NBA, when you're playing in the playoffs, you have to find a way to stop great players. And, if, and when I say stop them, you don't stop a great player. You have to figure out how to slow them down. Well, Jokic has moved into that category as a great player. He really is a superstar. He's a top five player in the NBA. And yes, the Clippers are deep. Yes, the Clippers are tough. Yes, the Clippers have, you know, multiple players who can get 25, 30 points in a game. But Jokic was hands down the best player in the series. And he wasn't the leading scorer. I don't even know if he was the leading rebounder, but he was the best player in the series. Okay. And that's, that's a tall task against Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard has been the best player in the playoffs now for the last couple of years up into this series. He has established himself. Well, Jokic right now has something to say in that. So, you know, when you see a, a player like that, it's an emerging player, you have to figure it out. And I will say this in Doc Rivers' defense. Sometimes you see something you've never seen before. And I can sit here and tell you and go on and on about what the, what the Clippers didn't do. No, it's not what the Clippers didn't do. It's about what Jokic did. Jokic did something we've never seen before. We've never seen a five-man you know, play the way he's played. And it's going to take some time for the rest of the league to catch on and say, you know, how do I, because we've never seen a player with this unique of skill set. He's got a very unique skill set and play the game the way he played. He is a true superstar. I'm not asking any more questions about Jokic because when you see a young man play like that, with that type of impact in a game against the LA Clippers, they're the best defensive team in the league. Okay, this wasn't like he did this against just anybody. He did it against the Clippers. He did it against the sixth man of the year, former player of the year a couple times. Doc Rivers, I know, is he is an exceptional coach. 
Jokic is the real deal. It's plain and simple. And now the rest of the league should be put on notice on how are we going to deal with this guy? Okay, when yeah. you have a great player, and I've played with a few great players, when you played against a Jordan, the decision had to be made. Are we going to stop him? I mean, are we going to slow him down? Or we're we just going to try to let him get his? Meaning, we'll let him get 40, but we can't let the other role players get 20. We'll let him get 50, but we can't let those other guys. Or are we going to just concentrate on him and give B.J. Armstrong, Scottie Pippen, John Paxson, and these guys free looks? That's the only decision with Jokic now. Yoke, but if you, uh, if, you don't, if you don't approach Jokic with that type of caution, this is what you're going to get. That's if you don't approach it because we say he's down five or we're down 15 points. That's only five. That's only five or six shots now in the NBA. Yep. That's 15, 16 points. Is it back when we were playing? That's two, two and a half. It's two and a half minutes now. It, it, the, the hill does not feel that steep to climb. It's nothing now. That's like five shots. Okay, five shots. Guy got 15 points. <laughs> like that's nothing now. That's like a three or four minute swing. So it's just a different way to watch it. That guy, Jokic, hey, let's, let's move on. He is now in that super, superstar category. BJ, just when you thought things couldn't get more unexpected, just when you thought we couldn't see more magic on the basketball court, we have the Denver Nuggets. And uh, today we are joined by Chris Marlowe. Play-by-play from Altitude TV. He joins us on the Pure Hoops podcast. Chris, welcome to the show. And uh, how are you and the Denver Nugget family, both team media fans? How excited are you guys now to be in the Western Conference Finals? I am doing well, and the team is doing better. Uh, Everybody in Colorado is excited about uh, the opportunity to play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, The Nuggets... Last year lost in the uh, Western Conference semis, so this is, a, this is a big step for them. You want to build in progression. The Nuggets are doing that, and uh, they dispatch the Clippers in seven, and uh, we'll see what happens with the Lakers. You know, Chris, this is a, an incredible achievement, um, just watching the game. But an oversight, an overview of what really happened. You know, so many people around the country, around the world are saying like, oh my, they, this was so unexpected. But, you know, I think to most or most football fans who've been watching, this has been a progression as you just mentioned earlier. What, explain to us what really happened in the confidence of this group. Well, if I was going to boil it down to that series, the Nuggets are better than we thought, and the Clippers aren't quite as good as we thought. The Nuggets have been building. They've got great chemistry. You know, you hear that. It, it, it sounds like a cliche, uh, but uh, they are kind of a tight-knit group, and now you see what's happened the last couple of days. The Clippers uh, coming out, and it, it seems like their, their team was unraveling. Uh, I, I think the Nuggets are, are, are a great story. Uh, they, they've done it kind of the right way, as, as former coach George Carl would say. They've drafted really well. They've made some key trades. Uh, they haven't really gone out and bought guys to come in. They don't have any hired gunslingers. And uh, I think the reason the Nuggets don't get the acclaim, first of all, it's not a big market. But second of all, they have beaten some of the best teams in the league this season. 
They beat Milwaukee twice. There are only two teams in the uh, NBA that beat the Milwaukee twice during the regular season. One of them was Miami and the other was Denver. And the Nuggets did it on the second half of a back-to-back where they got in at four in the morning and then beat them by 15. And that was when uh, Milwaukee was at full strength. So the Nuggets have had some fabulous wins, but they've also had some just crushing losses. They've lost to the Cleveland. They couldn't beat Cleveland in two strides. They lost to Atlanta. Uh, They got blown out in a couple of other games. So they have not played well against inferior competition. But good teams, they played really well. And I think that's what people have underestimated about the Denver Nuggets. They can play at a really high level. Uh, The good news is that all the crummy teams are out now. And so the Nuggets playing at a high level against good teams. And uh, I think they're really showing their stuff. Chris, before we go more on the present, you mentioned last year's game seven. And uh, I believe I finished watching that waiting for a Mother's Day dinner to start. It was on a Sunday. And... um, I just love watching these guys play. So last year, I, I obviously they had a great chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. They lose Game Seven at home. Jamal Murray has a nightmare four for eighteen performance in that game. How did that fuel him and fuel the team heading into this season? And how is that carrying over now? Because as we know, this season is longer than anybody could have ever expected. Yeah, in preseason there was an interesting. Uh... Uh, Mike Malone did an interesting thing. He made them first thing watch that game over again. That was a game they 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 could have won. I'm not saying they should have. I mean, Portland was really good. Lillard was great. McCollum was spectacular. Uh, Nuggets couldn't stop him. But uh, I, I think that was a, um, a motivator for this season. Obviously, Jamal Murray, uh, a key because he had not played well in Game Sevens. He, he he had that nightmare, as you said, in the nightmare at Pepsi Center and the other games in Game Sevens. He shot really poorly. So the question going into Game Seven against the Clippers: Could Jamal Murray is he the real deal? Uh, he gets fifty against the Clippers a couple of times, but can he do it in Game Seven? He didn't there, but lo and behold, he comes out with forty. Very efficient. He was a dominant player in that game. He and Nikola Jokic outplayed Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and uh, that was really the key to the game. You know, I, I want to talk about Jamal Murray because, you know, being an ex-guard, I, I love to talk about guard, guard play, and he's been fabulous. But I have to start with Jokic. You know, I've characterized him as the most charming player I've ever seen in the NBA. Yeah. There's a certain amount of charm the way he plays, you know, He's not running fast. He's not jumping high. But he's always getting around people. He's getting all the rebounds. Have we ever seen a player at the five position like him with the skill set that this young man possesses? I mean, he's doing things. I mean, I've been watching the game for quite some time, Mm -hmm. as well as yourself. I've never seen anyone do the things he's doing on the court, especially at his position. Yeah, he's... uh... He's one of a kind. I, I said on a radio interview yesterday, Mike Miller gave him the nickname Joker. He just thought he was funny. He's always joking around. And uh, that nickname really stuck. And I, I think it, 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 it defines him a little bit. But if I were doing it again, I would have given him the nickname the Unicorn. Uh, I don't think that's Christoph Porzingis. That's Nikola Jokic, who was doing things that really no other center has done. And a lot of the times when you look at his numbers, or you look at his stats or look at his passes or – you know, you have to go back to like Will Chamberlain and Bill Walton and, and Arvidas Sabonis and, and, and some of these greats of all time. Uh, the, the other thing I think that makes him unique is that he's probably the most unselfish player in the league. He, he doesn't have a Twitter account. 
He doesn't look at box scores. He doesn't care if he gets triple doubles. He's had, I think, 15 games in his career where he's been one point, one rebound, or one assist away from a triple double. He doesn't hunt that like others do. I won't mention names. James Harden that will hunt the triple double. But, uh, you know, his unselfishness, it, it just rubs off on the team. And you saw that the other night. They kind of – they were double-teaming him. They were double-teaming Murray. And none of it worked. They were able to pass out of the double. You know, BJ, I thought Murray did a great job. He got doubled. He got the ball to Joker. And then Joker did all this stuff. And, right. and guys were wide open. And, and he gets 13 assists and guys making shots. So uh, he is a, a fun guy, a funny guy. The, the Nuggets have kind of embraced Serbia as their brother country, brother <laughs> or sister country. Right. Uh, we've got uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of fans that tune in. They, they go to bed and they wake up at 2 in the morning to watch these games. They are dedicated. I'm getting texts all night long. Uh, it's really been a fun ride, and, and, and Joker is the main driver of all that. You know, I, I just had to follow up with him. Is Have we ever seen – we talk about some of the great passers. You know, okay, we'll – led the league in assists. We know Bill Walton. Have you ever seen someone at his position pass the ball on the move at his size? I mean, that's the most impressive thing to me is he's passing left hand, right hand, fast break, perimeter, post, and he's doing it on the move. I mean, there was one play that really stands out to me is they come out of a timeout. Coach Malone sends a down screen for Jokic on a curl. Yeah. He curls and then makes like a hook pass. That's like, I couldn't do that. And I was a guard. And I'm yeah. looking at this guy going, wow, that's like an incredible amount of skill set that you just don't see from a, from a center. Well, you probably know this story because you're invested. Uh, when, when Nikola Jokic was young, he was small. He was small and chubby. And he was a point guard. He was a point guard growing up. And I asked him one time, well, what happened? What happened? He goes, well, uh, I grew and then I grew again, and he got a giant, but he maintained the ball handling skills, uh, you know, with deference to Wilt and Walton and Sabonis and Vlade and all the great passers of all time. There's nobody that passes the ball at the center position like Nikola Jokic. That's, that's right. I got criticized for saying this early. I said, look, this guy has a Larry Bird skill set in terms of passing on the run, uh, no-look passes, over the head, behind the back. Uh, he can make virtually every pass, and he's willing to do it. He said in an interview, they said to him one time, uh, which do you enjoy? Uh, do you enjoy scoring more or assisting? And he said, this is so typical of European guys. He had the perfect way to say it. He goes, well, uh, if I get an assist, it makes two people happy. <laughs> and if I score, it only makes one person happy. So I like the assist. So he's, he's just one of a kind. We're so lucky to have him in Denver. And uh, he, he's a star now. I don't know how you guys uh, view a superstar. I think of Magic and, and Larry and, and, and Jordan and all those guys as superstars. But Nikola Jokic, he's one of a kind. And he's getting yes. yes. Special talent, joy to watch. Those examples you gave from Game 7, and we continue to see the unselfishness, the passing, but with that, Chris, has to come trust. And you look at teams who made a lot of moves last offseason or they landed stars or they made big signings. Denver stood pat, 
aside from adding Jeremy Grant, who's been very valuable, obviously Michael Porter Jr. had his rookie campaign this year. Um, was that by design? Was that knowing that they were so close and Jokic and Murray were developing? And obviously Will Barton, who hasn't played yet, also had a, uh, a very good step forward season. Was that by design, knowing what was on the way? Yeah, I think uh, Tim Conley's done a good job of, of, of building the team. He and Arturis Karnaschovitz drafting the right guys. Uh, they don't want to mortgage the future. They've bet heavily on Jamal Murray. Uh, you know Murray. He came up, he was more of a, he was a point guard young, but then he played shooting guard really at Kentucky. Uh, and he came into the league and people said, well, he's not really a point guard. He's a shooting guard. Uh, BJ, you probably got some of that during your career. Well, what is he? Is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? What kind of a guard is he? Well, he has developed, uh, you know, they bet that he can be the point guard of the future. And now it seems to, to be paying off. I think uh, uh, Denver does not get the meetings that the Lakers get, that the Clippers get. Uh, there was a story in the paper that the Nuggets had, had thought about an offer for Paul George. Uh, and then you think, well, you know, I'm glad we didn't do that because you mortgage your future. And if it doesn't pan out, like the Clippers are thinking, God, should we have traded six draft choices for Paul George? <laughs> and it, it's not a win at all, uh, all cost season. So I, I think the Nuggets are content to build. Would they like to get, uh, you know, would they like to get some free agents that would plug holes and fill the bill? They need, they need a rim protector, an enforcer. Uh, they could use another shooter. Uh, and depending on Will Barton, uh, you know, maybe another guard. Uh, every time I watch Miami play and I see Jay Crowder, I go, that's the kind of guy we need on the team. Uh, rough, rugged, tough, get in your face, shoots the three, not afraid. Uh, I think the Nuggets, are, they're not a tough team. They're determined now. They're determined. They're getting there, but they're not a tough team. And I think that's, that's an area they could improve. Well, you know, when you say a rim protector, three-point shooter, I keep thinking of Bow Bow. Like, they have it sitting right over there. I mean, it's not fair. You guys have everything. But I want to go back to Jamal Murray. And, you know, there's this thing now we talk about point guards or, you know, in that era. You know, when I think of guards today, you know, the, the, especially all of the guards and where they play, you think of Steph Curry. You know, he's some type of combo guard. If I made him into a point guard like that era or our era. Yeah you would take away what he does exceptionally well, which is score the ball. When you think of Damian Lillard, when you think of Kyrie Irving, when you think of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Luka Doncic, Jamal Murray fits right into this, whatever this new category of guard is. But the one thing that's obvious is he has to score if you're going to be an exceptional player at that position. But the combination of Jokic handling the ball, a la Draymond Green, a la all of these other guys, because now it's truly a positionless game. Talk about the chemistry between those two, because they seem to have a dynamic understanding. I mean, they're throwing passes each other over their head. <laughs> Jamal Murray's coming off a screen roll behind his back. I don't remember John Stockton throwing behind the back passes to Carl Malone on the roll or, or pop back. No, and I'll tell you something, BJ, every time he does that, I say, no! <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, he throws behind the back passes in traffic. Yes. And boy, it looks fabulous when it works. But, you know, when you're down two in the third quarter in an elimination game and, and he throws one away, you just think, 
what is he doing? And I'm sure Michael Malone is thinking that, but I think it's all in the progression of Jamal Murray. He's not a true point guard. He's not a pass-first point guard. You know, he's a he's a if if you go back, BJ, he's a gunner. He's yeah. a gunner that 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 can heat up in a second. You know, make five threes in a row. Uh, someone compared him to Brandon Roy one time when we were trying to figure out who we thought might mm. be an apt comparison, and, and they say Brandon Roy. So. Uh, I think their chemistry is really good. Uh, they played the two-man game beautifully. Uh, they seem to have developed this uh, this interesting uh, chemistry and camaraderie. The the, the 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 little fat kid from Serbia, and uh, you know the coach's son from Canada, who who stood out in the snow while his dad made make him make uh, 200 free throws in a row before he can go in the house. It's it's an interesting dynamic, but after that last game, I think you saw some celebratory uh, pictures of those two hugging, and uh, uh, it's really been fun to watch. I think Nuggets have they have two they have a great star in Jokic, they have an emerging star in in Jamal Murray, and they have a guy that has been kind of the Maserati in in the garage in Michael Porter Jr. Yes. You, you've seen him play, and he, you know he's not there every night, but he is getting to be – he's going to be a starter next year, and he is, I think, the key for the Denver Nuggets going forward. If he blossoms into a great player, then the Nuggets have their big three and they're on their way. Yeah, Chris, perfect lead-in too. You know, this Nuggets team we've seen in the playoffs was not the Nuggets team by design at the beginning of the year in terms of rotation and Barton out and Porter getting this opportunity and – at times really making the most of it, which is even more impressive. So Jokic is 25, Murray's 23, um, Porter obviously getting his first experience, um, also getting his first experience dealing with the pressure of the playoffs, the pressure of the media. He obviously said some things that he probably wishes he didn't say about getting the ball and getting touches. Um, what do you think the message was from Coach Malone, from his teammates after that? And what, if anything, uh, have you learned has changed since then with him? Well, he got a lot of criticism uh, about uh, from old school guys. About... <laughs> right, right, right. B, B, BJ. BJ was all over it. No, oh I'm gosh, like. I heard people say, rookie, shut up. Uh, no way. I... Someone, I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. I, I, I don't think it was Kendrick Perkins, but it was someone that had some stature said, oh, I wouldn't play him. I'd bench him. And I said, come on, this is, this is the new, this is 2020. Uh, yeah. There's a modern rookie. Uh, they play. He knows he's good. Uh, he knows he didn't get the ball in that game. You know, and you want guys uh, kind of, so to speak, on your wall. You want that kind of guy on the team. He spaces the floor. In the bubble, the eight seeding games, he had four games in a row where he was 20 and 10 or 30 and 10. And you just see the potential of this guy. Now, he wasn't playing all the time because Michael Malone thought his defense was bad. Yep, yep. And that, that was keeping him off the court. Yep. Now, one game he got 25 against Indiana. Then he played three minutes the next night when he forgot a defensive assignment. Right. So Michael Malone is more of a defensive coach. So he's been really hard on Porter Jr. But in the end, I think it's worked. Because now he, he's got more uh, attention to detail. Uh, he knows who he's supposed to be guarding. He actually has played a few games where he hasn't scored, but it, they leave him in because his defense has been better. He's long. He's got a 7-2 wingspan. And he hustles and he rebounds. 
you know, he gets seven, eight, nine rebounds without even looking. So this is a guy that has uh, incredible potential. He flashes it every once in a while. And if I'm Michael Malone, I want him in at the end of the game. You know, the Nuggets need shooters. They need spacers. Uh, and this guy, you saw in that one game where he makes that three and everybody's going, no, 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 no. And he just drills the three uh, to kind of cinch the game against the Clippers in the comeback. Uh, he has no fear. He think he's been the best player in his <laughs> age group his whole life. Right. He's been the best guy. And now he comes into the NBA. He's had to take some lumps. He's had to get some lessons, but uh, it's coming along uh, nicely for him and, and beautifully for the Nuggets. You know, you talk about Coach Malone, and, you know, I've known Coach Malone for a long time. Talk about his relationship with this group, because I've never seen him this animated, ever. I mean, he's very reserved. He's always kind of laid back. The animation and the, the, the connectivity he has with this group has been – it's been fascinating to watch because I've never seen him this animated. You know, I, I think it's been a process for Michael Malone. You, you know, his dad was an NBA or for 28 years, Brendan Malone. Yes. And, and Mike Malone's old school. He's been kind of dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st <laughs> century. Uh, talking about offense, talking about what you need to do. He's still defensive minded. But this whole Michael Porter thing has been fascinating. Right. Uh, as I kind of detailed, you know, he wants defensive guys in there. He wants guys that hustle. Uh, and so Porter didn't always get the minutes. And I, I kept thinking to myself, look, uh, Coach Malone, you have to play this guy. You, you've got to play this guy because this is the kind of thing that could cost you your job. Nuggets go out the first round. Porter doesn't play. Management wants him to play. Obviously, they drafted him with uh, stardom in mind. But I think Malone has kind of gotten it a little bit, and he's been able to kind of uh, – infuse his philosophy into Michael Porter Jr., uh, who is – he's an interesting cat. Uh, he can do whatever he wants in terms of physical abilities, and it's just kind of getting the mental side down. So I think they've come to kind of a meeting of the minds. They had a meeting after a Porter went on TV and said, get me the ball, throw me the ball, coach. Uh, and I think it's worked out well. You know, they only had one game left. It wasn't like they were starting the season and he's saying, I need to be the focal point of the offense. He was just saying, you know, when I'm out there, it'd be nice if I had more than two shots in, in the second half. So I, I don't fault Porter. I think Malone's done a terrific job. You know, they say, and not to run on here, but they say that, that uh, great coaches make adjustments at halftime. That's, that's where you kind of earn your money. And you look what Michael Malone and the Nuggets have done the last three games against the Clippers, down, 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 down big in, in, in two of those games. And the Nuggets able to come back and basically route the Clippers, run them off mm -hmm. the floor. So he must be doing something right. And BJ, don't forget, Mike Malone is hardcore Queens, New York. Okay. Yeah, stop with this hardcore like, stuff. I know, I know, I know. I know you do. Respect. Coach Malone. I'm going to give him his respect. I know his Coach dad. Malone. I know him. I know I you do. Watch his evolution if you will and how to deal because the thing that was shocking about the whole Michael Porter situation was coach Malone kept it moving he kept it moving and yes this is a different generation but I loved how confident the kid is and he responded under duress and that's a big thing for a young kid you can talk a lot of things you can say you want more touches but when he got the opportunity I'm giving Michael Porter Jr. credit like, he responded. 
under duress. And this isn't easy to be, one, in the bubble, two, to do it in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, this isn't like regular season. You know, this is like the playoffs. This is like do or die situation. And this young man and Coach Malone, who I know is old school, he did what he had to do. And I, and I, I love that. I give you an interesting story. So after the first game of the playoffs with the Utah Jazz, which the Nuggets won, uh, I work with Scott Hastings, former Nick, former Miami Heat, and he's pretty critical of Porter. I mean, he and he's kind of an old school guy. Right. Yeah, you know, Porter can do 10 things right. And then he said, well, yeah, but he missed the assignment in the corner. Like, you know, he can't do that. He's got to get better. So the first game, Michael Porter has 13 and eight in uh, like 24 minutes and is a plus six. And so he's, he's bagging on Porter a little bit. And I say to him, he's a rookie. He just got 13 right. and eight and he was plus six. Would you take that every game? And, and, and he looked at me kind of funny and he goes, well, yeah, I think I would. I go, yeah, great. And then he, then he comes up with a couple of 20 point performances. He gets 15 rebounds in one game. The, the, the key for Porter is versatility. Not only is he, he's a terrific offensive player, but when he learns, he's had to kind of learn the schemes too. You know, Michael Malone has a lot of, a lot of switching and then, and then there's a lot of rotating and then all kinds of defensive stuff. So once he's kind of figured out where he's supposed to be, you watch these games come out, he's really good on hedging. He's guarding a big guy, he comes out, he hedges, he, he flashes back the, the Nuggets. I think that was one of the keys uh, in both those series that the Nuggets were able to, to hedge and get back and keep their guys, keep Jeremy Grant on Kawhi Leonard and right. keep Gary Harris on Paul George. They were getting caught early when they played Utah. They were getting caught in switches, and Donovan Mitchell just cooked them a new one. Uh, and then they figured out, well, we can't do that anymore. We can't have Jokic guarding Donovan Mitchell. That doesn't work. That's yeah. a recipe for a disaster. Yeah. So they, they kind of figured it out. But uh, uh, going back to Porter, uh, he's a keeper in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. Interesting in this regard. He's always been big. So he's probably had to play. And when he was younger, when I say younger, playing in high school and college, he's probably always played the four position or somewhere near the basket because of his size. Watching him make this transition to the perimeter has been interesting. And Jason Tatum is a player where his biggest improvement thus far has been on the defensive end. And if Michael Porter can take that stride on the defensive end, you're talking about a true, true star because this young man has some offensive ability that's just unique for his size. And he's shooting it so well this early in, in his career. He's gonna get stronger. He's gonna put on a little size. He's gonna learn how to post up. But if he can guard the perimeter players, yeah, because that's what they're doing. They're attacking him. Utah attacked him every single time. And then the Clippers tried to do the same. But if he improves on the defensive end, sky's the limits for this young man. I mean, well, it's interesting. That type of talent. I think it's the same with Jeremy Grant. You touched on Grant a little bit earlier. So Grant has been guarding. Uh, he's been guarding virtually the best player on the opposing team. He's invaluable. Yeah, they switched Mitchell. And uh, he guarded Kawhi basically uh, the entire series. And uh, one of their coaches told me, he said, you know, this is so much different for Jeremy Grant. He's been in the dunker spot. He's been playing the four, like you guys said. Right. And he's never been out on the perimeter, dealing with screens, dealing with little guys, dealing with the pick and roll. And so if those two guys, you, you know, 
the Nuggets to challenge for a championship, they got to be able to guard uh, LeBron James. Someone's got to go. guard him. <laughs> there you go. Someone's got to guard him. This, <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, and there's only so many guys that the Nuggets have. I think Jeremy Grant is going to get the first crack. But if Michael Porter can develop into a good defender where he can take a guy, could Michael Porter guard Anthony Davis? I was thinking about this in the, the upcoming uh, Lakers well, series. Right. To see if they could do that because nobody that we have so far has been able to guard Anthony Davis. He gets 30. Why not try Porter on him? Why not try Porter? He's 6'10". Give him a lesson. Let's see what he does. Some guys, you put them on a guy and they, they feel like they can guard him. If he gets torched, well. Bull, bull. That's the card. Bull, I'm going bull, bull. <laughs> Take away something. <laughs> bull, bull is, is so much fun and so interesting. And I don't think people realize what kind of a skill set yeah. this guy has. If, if you said, well, who are the, who are the be- who's the best shooter on the Denver Nuggets? Well, you might say, well, uh, Porter, Harris. No, it's bull, bull. Bull Bull can knock down threes. He can shoot off the dribble. He can dribble behind his back. He makes passes in traffic. And when you think about Porter and Bull Bull uh, kind of in the wings getting ready to ascend, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for Denver going forward, particularly in the front court, because they got some decisions to make now with Plumlee, who's expiring, and whether they give a big contract to Jeremy Grant, of course, Paul Millsap, at $30 million a year. He won't be back at that number, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. So are you telling me you could have Jokic, Bol Bol, and Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray? I mean, what are you saying here? Because you you got this nice smile on your face right here. I feel like you know something the rest of us don't know. If those three are in the front court, what are we supposed to do? Well, I think Jokic is going to be in that front court. If they re-sign Jeremy Grant, he's in there for sure. Uh, I think Michael Porter Jr. is the other starter. And I think Bol Bol is the first man off the bench. Now, he's got to get stronger. He's got to get NBA uh, more NBA ready. Uh, but he's got a 7'8 wingspan. He blocks shots uh, you know, just like his daddy used to. But the skill set that he has, you would think uh, he's more of a small forward. He's really not a center. He's right. a gifted, transitional, run-the-floor uh, pull up from three, from 25, and hit. And uh, the big decision is is what to do with him. I think he can play backup center because, you know, nobody's really playing. You know, there's no Joe Kleins or big guys in the, in the oh, position now. It's all kind of small guys and, and six, eight guys. And I think Bowl can play in that, uh, in that kind of system. But I think the Nuggets front court uh, from here on is loaded. What I think they do need, though, is is one more, one more piece at the guard position, one more plugger, if so to speak. Chris, I think that's the first Joe Klein reference on any of our shows, so we'll note that and check the history books. Quickly looking ahead to the Lakers series, you mentioned some of these matchups. Obviously, they have two of the five best players in the league, two guys that are so impossible to even fathom dealing with, let alone stopping. Um, what's more of a matchup challenge in your mind, LeBron James or Anthony Davis? They're both equally a problem. I think LeBron, because of his physicality uh, and and his vision and the way he plays the game, uh, you know, you, you couldn't really double team Magic Johnson. I mean, you could, but then then Worthy and Rambus and all these guys get dunks. And, and the same with LeBron. Now, Anthony Davis, if he has a weakness to me, he's not a playmaker. 
And I've seen some teams, what they do is they, you know, Anthony Davis gets it. Once he starts to dribble, you double. You double and make him into a playmaker, which I don't think is his forte. Uh, so I think there are ways to handle Anthony Davis. I don't think they did that in the regular season. Most of the games were close. Uh, but I think LeBron is the bigger challenge. He's just so big and so strong. Even if Jeremy Grant is 6'8", 220, guarding him, he's given up 40 pounds. And, uh, and uh, Torrey Craig will get a chance on him. Maybe Porter gets a chance on him, too. I'd like to see that. But uh, LeBron James, public enemy number one, and then Anthony Davis. And then you have to figure the, the two big guys for the Lakers who didn't play much in that early series are going to play more now. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, and they hurt the Nuggets in, in, in some of the early meetings because if you go to help on LeBron or AD, they get dunks, and they're really good at it. And as you mentioned, Jokic can't jump, and he can't run. Uh, he's quick with hands and stuff like that, but the lob is something that the Nuggets are going to have to figure out. Yeah, and, and one thing as we finish this up, and BJ, chime in on this because you were big on this in the Utah-Denver series, the Denver pick-and-roll – and how the Lakers are going to play that and the personnel the Lakers are going to go to. Are they going to play AD on Joker or are they going to get minutes out of Dwight and or McGee? And then how they play the pick and roll with those guys is going to be very interesting. How, how do you guys see that playing out personnel wise? And what's the Lakers best bet to try to slow down Joker and, and Murray, you think? BJ, give me the give me the plot. How do the Nuggets uh, – are you talking about how do the Lakers – How do the Lakers slow down? How do the Nuggets yeah, yeah. the Lakers – no, I, I think what the Lakers have to do, because sometimes you run, against, run up against players who are just playing exceptionally well. Jokic is not playing exceptionally well. I, I think Jokic has entered into superstar. I, I, I really, I think he's, he's a top five player in the NBA now. And the reason being is because he can play, he's as good as he is in transition, he's better when the game slows down and that's where the superstars live. When the game gets unorganized, when the game slows down and gets disciplined, he is an exceptional player. You know, that shoots off the wrong leg. That's just his shot. <laughs> you know, that's his shot. That's his game. Now, what do I think the Lakers have to do? I think you have to do, you have to think out of the box with Jokic. You got to go zone against him. You have to go zone against him. You mm -hmm. cannot guard him in screen roll. He can pick and pop. He can pick and roll. And then he's even more dangerous when he catches the ball on the move. He's picking defenses apart. You know, you want your big to be able to just to swing the ball to the weak side. Well, Jokic, he does that in his sleep. I mean, he's, he's, he's faking his own players out. They don't even know where he's going to pass it some yeah. of the time. So I think you got to go zone against Jokic right now. Jamal Murray right now is just, you know, look. He's playing the game with such confidence. It doesn't really matter right now. I mean, he's just, he's just playing with a, a, an amazing amount of confidence. So I would not be surprised if you do something that you haven't seen. You got to go box in one. You got to do something out of the box because you're going to have to, in coaches' vernacular, you're going to have to try to destroy their rhythm. They have a rhythm right now, those yeah. two, that I haven't seen in a long time. I mean – they played exceptionally, exceptionally well. And I, if I'm the Lakers, great players are going to be great. So the best thing I could do is not allow them to be great, just like you alluded to with LeBron James. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you, you mentioned zone defense. I've been a proponent of that since I've been announcing in the NBA. I, mean, I came from college 
where, where, where teams played zone all the time. And I always thought, well, couldn't you practice zone? Couldn't you have zone just to clamp it on somebody to out of a timeout, last second play? Uh, and as, as time has gone along, I even asked Mike Malone that, would you ever play zone when our defense was, was stinking? And they go, no, no, it's, it's just, we're, we're just no good at it. And then, then Nick Nurse is playing it, and the Celtics are playing it, and Miami is playing it, and zones are coming because you can't touch the guy in the perimeter. Right, uh, right. You, you're basically switching everything anyway. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the Lakers. I didn't really realize that they had that in their arsenal uh, to play zone, but uh, we'll see about it. I think KCP will probably get the assignment on Murray to start. And, and JaVale will be on, on Jokic. We'll see how that works in the pick and roll. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think the Nuggets will score. Uh, the question will be is how can they defend uh, the Lakers? Should be an interesting series. I think the Nuggets have a little better chance than people are giving them because they are playing their best basketball of the season right now. They're playing at their zenith. And if they can carry that Clippers momentum into the Laker matchup, I think that's good. That all that being said, Lakers are playing good too, so uh, yeah. it should be a fantastic matchup. Yeah, it should be. And, and, and the thing is, with the Nuggets, is their depth. I don't think they get enough credit for their depth. This is a very deep team, and as the playoffs are going, they're playing every other day. I, you know, I like the Nuggets' opportunity. I like their chances, but it's going to be a tall task. I mean, LeBron is a load, but uh, it's been fun. Certainly. They are the most charming team now. I'm just giving their whole team is charming. But Jokic yeah. is, he, he's, my, he's my favorite. He's like one of my favorite players. You know, he's just, he's just charming the way he plays out there. You know what, at the, I think people got a chance, you know, usually he's pretty serious on the court. And I think people got a chance, the national television audience, at the end of the game, when that series was over, I was a, a, a huge exhale for Jokic, Murray, who the pressure is really on. And when you, you pressure's on, you want your stars to play well. And the pressure off Michael Malone, I mean, they were just euphoric right. after that. And that's only a semifinal. But the, the, the smile that Jokic had on his face, I mean, it was just, it was just, uh, uh, it was precious. It was precious. And you like to see, you like to see good guys get rewarded. You like to see coaches get rewarded. And, and for a franchise that's, you know, never been to the West, never been to the NBA finals. It was so close back in 2009 against the Lakers. You know, you'd like to see them take another step in their development and uh, see what they could do against either Boston or Miami. Chris, this was great. Thank you very much. Nuggets, of course, at their best when they're down and the underdog. So hopefully we see a great West final. Uh, we're excited and uh, you couldn't have been a better guest today. Appreciate it and uh, have a great vacation watching the games without the stress of calling them. Hope you enjoy well, Thanks. <laughs> We've got the game plan. We've got the game plan. We're going to let the Lakers get ahead by 16 in every game. What about the charge? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All awesome. right. Thanks. Thanks. Be thanks well. Take care. BJ, that was fun. Um, obviously, uh, I don't get too many altitude games back here uh, aside from the league pass, but uh, that's my first conversation with him. And he's just got a wealth of knowledge and passion. And of all the stories, both on the court, off the court, this Denver Nuggets story, and I, I know you know Coach Malone a heck of a lot longer than I do. I just happen to have like a couple of really memorable and meaningful conversations with him the last couple of years. But you see the the, the meshing of 
these talents, these players from different places, their own stories, and now they're on the biggest stage against the Lakers in the conference finals. It's uh, it's truly, truly, I, I want to say miraculous, but it's just, it's so unique how they got there. Well, I, I will say this. There are two players that we have to welcome to the party. Jamal Murray and Mr. Jokic. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen them play, they are star players. They're both star. Jokic is a superstar. And do I dare say Jamal Murray is right on the doorstep now. I mean, you don't put together this type of, you know, run without yep. saying he's a star. These are true star players. So welcome. Enjoy. I can't wait for the next series, my friend. And next week should be fun talking about the Denver Nuggets versus the L.A. Lakers. Nuggets, Lakers, Heat, Celtics continue. Great show today, my friend. Special thanks, as always, to producer Mike Lieber, the one and only Bruce Bernstein, editor Tom Phillip, and the entire Pure Hoops Media team. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday. John Fanta and Kim Adams talk college ball every Tuesday with Full Court Press. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Thursdays, Monica McNutt and King McClure bring you buckets, boards, and blocks. And Fridays, it's the Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and myself, Eric Newman. Please check out all of our shows. Subscribe, download, rate, review, share with your friends, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on the Pure Hoops Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay pure. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.